All right, welcome back. So this is the seventh class of the Fundamentals of Prayer series. We've discussed many different ideas related to prayer so far, and we've discussed from the Amidah, the Shemalia Esrei, the first five blessings. And today we'll hopefully hit on the sixth and seventh, as well as some important ideas when it comes to prayer. Um, we last week we moved on from the intro section of the Shemona Esrei, which dealt with praising God, and we moved into the the requests. And we learned about the request for wisdom, for understanding, for Torah knowledge, and how that then we led into the request for repentance or return to God, tshuva. Um, which we explained is, you know, our, our behavior, our actions can create a distance and teshuva means returning, returning from that, from that distance that we've created with our actions. And, and really the setup here of the, of the requests is we're starting with the spiritual matters, you know, knowledge, which really comes is introductory to everything. Uh, you know, that's, that's uh, elementary. And then you move from there to to shuva, to repentance. And we're gonna to today talk about the next blessing, which is about um, forgiveness and pardon, but, but it's those things that introduce us to then making requests for maybe more practical day-to-day -day things, like the challenges that we have in our life or healing the sick or sustenance. And the idea I think is, 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 is simple that we, we first have to define what's important to us, what are our goals, and then we'll make our requests for, you know, God, in order for me to serve you in the best manner, well, you know, it would be really great if I didn't have to deal with this challenge or if, you know, someone wasn't sick or if I had sustenance, et cetera. Those, once we've, we've, we've spoken and we've, we've prayed for, we've asked for success, in, in approaching God and coming close to God and then and, and really defined what, what's our mission, what's important to us, what do we value. So then when we then ask for maybe the more practical matters, we're, we're coming with this, this introduction of, you know, there's a reason why I'm asking for this. I want to be able to, to serve you better. And that that gives a different, a different, different level of meaning to, to those those requests they're not simply for me they're also for you know so i can and do a better job in in fulfilling my my purpose so after we read the fifth blessing which we did last week which was teshuva which was repentance returning to god so there is that's primarily a commitment to return and 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 a request for god's assistance in that so now we ask for god to forgive our past errors and uh and that's the liturgy that's on the top of the source sheet. The, fir the, the first uh, source here is the sixth blessing of the Amidah. And it begins with Selach Lanu Avinu, which for, we translate here as parting us our father. But similar to what we had last week, where we had Hebrew words like uh, about knowledge, we had Da'as and we had Bina, you know, knowledge and understanding and Haskelling, all these different words that relate to knowledge, but if you just give them an English translation, you just say knowledge, wisdom, understanding, 
doesn't really tell us what they're about. So, so, so we explained last week what those words are about. Now, the same thing is true for these words. You know, we have salach, it's going to be, we translate here, pardon. Then we're going to have in the third line, mechal, forgive. What's pardon? What's forgive? Like, what's the difference? Those are just English words that we can, we can offer. But what's the real meaning of these words? So, so salach lanu, we translate here as pardon us. We pray to God to pardon us. But what does the word salach actually mean? So the truth is different commentaries have different understandings, but I think we're going to, you know, when we concentrate on our prayers, I don't think it's helpful to be thinking, you know, according to this commentary, what I'm saying now means this. And according to this commentary, what I'm saying now means that, right? We want to have one thing that, that we're thinking about as we, as we pray. So, so many understand that the word salach um, means it's a, it's a parting of a sin where God treats the sin as if it never existed. It never happened. He, 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 for, he forgives the sin to the, to the point where it's not just that he's not going to punish us for the sin, but, but there's no damage to the relationship even. It's completely as if it never happened. That's the level of salach, of, uh, of, of slicha, uh, which, which actually in modern Hebrew means sorry, but, uh, but as, as we'll see, it's not so simple for a person to forgive to that, to that extent, to that level. But we ask God, forgive us, pardon us, to that extent that you make it as if we, had, we never sinned. But when we ask for this, we're approaching God as Avinu, as our father. Only as our father could we ask him to, you know, be, act as if, to make it as if we've never sinned against him. When we approach him as Malkeinu, as our king, then it's a, it's a different story. But when we approach God as our father, we can say, you know, erase this from existence. And, uh, and that's because a father is, first of all, quick to forgive a child um, and, and wants to forgive the child. And the, the word that we use here is pardon us, meaning erase the sin our father. Why? And again, we're going to have multiple words for sin. So here, for we have sinned. But what, what root word? Chet. What is chet? Because in the next line, we're going to have, again, a different word for forgive. Mechal kipashanu, which also means sinned, transgressed, the, the English here, right? What's the difference, right? Those are just English words. But there's a difference between chatanu, chet, sin, and pashanu which is pesha which also means sin what what are, what's the difference between these two types of sin and why are we asking them you know in different for forgiveness for them in different lines and using different words so so the word hate according again different commentaries but what we're going to go with is that the word hate refers to a sin performed unintentionally either we didn't know we didn't realize um you know, we didn't realize what we were doing. We didn't realize it was wrong. We didn't realize that it was forbidden. Now it still requires repentance because even a sin performed unintentionally in Hebrew, shogeg, even something unintentional still creates, you know, a distance between us and God. And we still need that to be forgiven. But when we ask God as a father to forgive our sins, we only say forgive those unintentional sins. What about the intentional sins? 
What about something that we did intentionally? So the, the idea is that when we approach God as a father, we're saying, look at all our sins as if they were unintentional. Because that's really what, what a father does. A father, when he, when he sees his children do something wrong, you know, two kids get into trouble in school, right? Together. One is your kid and one is someone else's kid. Well, whose fault is it? It's the other kid, right? It wasn't, obviously it was the other kid that, that pulled my kid in, right? We're always rationalizing for our children, which is, you know, it, that's, that's just how, how, how parents are and, and it should be that way. I mean, we have to also take responsibility for them, but that's, that's how we look at it. We, we, we always want to see the best in our children. So even something done unintentional, we'll say, okay, you know, he got in, he or she got in with the wrong crowd. It wasn't really their fault. They didn't realize I didn't raise them properly. You know, I didn't educate them enough. So that's what we, how we want God to look at us. We say, pardon us, erasing, looking as if, it, as if it never happened, our father, and do so in, in, in a way that you look at anything that we did, anything that we did as unintentional, rationalize it for us. That's when we approach God as, uh, as our father. That's how we can ask him. In the next line, it's, it changes. In the next line, all three words change. Instead of salach, it's mechal, which also means parting. Instead of avinu, our father, it's malkenu, our king. And instead of chatanu, we have sinned, it's pashanu, which is also sin, transgressed. So what's the difference? So in the next line, so mechal, Michal is related to the Hebrew word chalal. Chalal means like a hollow. Michal means, and a michila is actually, I think, a, a word for like a cave. And, but it also means a type of forgiveness. But michila, michal is where you forgive something by like hollowing it out. There's still, the, the frame is still there. The shell is still there. But we've, we've emptied out everything in the middle. We've cleaned it out. So when we ask God, michal, forgive us, pardon us, it, we're, we're asking him to cleanse us of the sin, but, but we, in, in, that language is with an understanding that it's not being erased completely. It's being hollowed out. The, the, the shell, the effect maybe on our relationship will still be there, but, but with that language, we're asking God cleanse us. It may mean don't, you know, don't exact punishment for that. You know, don't hold us responsible. <clears throat> Forgive us, <clears throat> but it leaves a... Uh, it leaves some record, some residue. <clears throat> but that's how we have to ask God when we approach him as king. You know, as king, we, uh, we don't really have the audacity to say, you know, pretend that it never happened. And not only that, but we also, we also say pashanu. We have sinned, and that means intentionally. And here we flip it, that even something that we did unintentionally we understand that it should be treated as if it was intentional. When we're talking about the king, you know, when a person goes to, appears before the king. So it's, it's our job to figure out the exact protocol for when we're in the throne room, right? And if we never asked and never found out what the right protocol was, so it's true, we stepped out of line accidentally, unintentionally, but, to some extent, that's still our fault, right? When you're in the, the throne room of the king, when you're dealing with the king, so even something unintentional is, 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 can be viewed as intentional. We weren't careful enough. We weren't, we weren't concerned enough 
that we didn't make, clarify for ourselves enough that we're standing before the king. And so there we use the word for pesha, which means intentional sins, acknowledging that even the unintentional sins will, will sometimes be treated as, as, even the unintentional will sometimes be treated as intentional. So what we're doing though, in the, you know, these two lines, why, why do we have both? It's, it, it seems this is how Reb Chaim Friedlander explains it. It's a buildup or, a, or maybe a, a build down. We first say the ideal, you know, ideally we look to God and we want God to look at us as, as children. You know, in, in, the, in the liturgy for, the, for, for Rosh Hashanah, we say, Im kibanim, im kavadim. You know, God should either look at us as children or as servants. The ideal is, is first children, as his children. And that means we speak to him as, as, as our father. But sometimes that's, that's not how God is going to look at a situation. And sometimes he'll treat us more like servants than like his children. Again, we don't, we don't make those decisions. So we come to God and we say, when we ask for, for forgiveness, for pardon, we first say, our, the ideal is the first thing, like our father. And therefore, salah, therefore we can ask you, you're a father, you're forgiving, you'd rather that it have never happened. Salah, erase it, make it as if it never happened. Let's return our relationship back to the way that it was. And uh, with, with no residue, no record, no remembrance of, 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 of the distance that we created through sin. And that we approach him as our father. And chatana, we say, we, we've sinned unintentionally. Treat everything that we did as unintentional. Now, if that doesn't, if, if that's, you know, not going to work, then we move on to the next level. Michal, okay, if, if, if not that, then at least, Michal, at least hollow it out, cleanse it out. You know, take away any, any possible punishment. There may be a, still an effect on the general relationship. There may be a, a, a residue like hollowing out a tube, but the, the outside may still be there. Okay, that's, that's all we can ask for when we approach God as king. And, uh, and there we say, we acknowledge Pashana, we acknowledge that we, sh we should have done better. We should have, even though we think some things were unintentional, we should have realized, we should have been more concerned, we should have cared more. And, but yet we still ask God to, to cleanse that. And we say, Here's the, the, where we turn to praise now. God, that's, that's how you are. Because God, you are one who is mochel, again, forgives, and soleach, and pardons. Now here we, we switch the order. We first say mochel, which is michal, which is the second one, which means to clean out, but leaves some kind of residue. And, uh, and then we say soleach, which is to completely erase it. And that's because now in the praise, we're building up. You're not only one who is mochel. God, we're praising you. You're not only mochel. You're not only one who, who takes away the punishment, who forgives in a way that, that, that still leaves over damage to the relationship, but you're even soleach. You're even one who erases it, erases it completely. Now, I, I mentioned before that uh, the word soleach is related to the Hebrew word slicha, of modern Hebrew, which means to you know to be sorry. It's interesting when when we when we ask people for forgiveness, we we generally don't use the word soleach. We we generally use the word mechila. We ask for mechila. We ask for that kind of forgiveness. And and I think that that the idea is that we recognize that for human beings, slicha the, in the classic sense, the way that we're interpreting it, is a little bit beyond us. To 
to forgive to the point that we erase it as if it never happened, we, we can't really ask someone for that. We're, we're human. It's, this is a praise of God. God can do that. God can, can, can make it as if it never happened. For humans, when we ask for forgiveness, we ask for mechila. We understand that what we did, the way that we wronged a person, it, it's still going to leave, you know, it, it, it's going to leave a mark. It's not, even if they forgive us, we can't expect that no mark be left there. What we can at least ask for is, you know, to, to, to cleanse it, to try to, to, to put it behind us. That's what we're, that's what we're asking someone when we ask for mechila, for that kind of forgiveness. And we close with the blessing, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you God, you are the source of all blessing. Chanun Hamarbeli Slava. Chanun, we had last time with the word like Chanenu, um, which means gracious, be, you know, to give freely. The one who graces us, because God does not have to forgive us, you know, we, we if we wronged the, the the master of the world, that's on us. He is, does not have to forgive us, but yet God does. Um, and, uh, and not only does he, but he's marbeli sloach. He, marbe means abundantly. He, uh, he, he does so over and over and over again, because as humans, when we mess up, we don't always only mess up one time and we come back to God every single day and we say, please forgive me, please forgive me. Now, now if we're singing intentionally, that doesn't really work, but we know we're imperfect. We realize we make mistakes, we err. And we can keep coming back to God and he will forgive us again. Other, other, you know, human beings, probably not. You know, you, you wrong someone once, they might forgive you. You wrong someone a second time, they might forgive you. Probably after that, it's less likely they're going to forgive you again. But God is He's abundantly, uh, you know, great in his parting. He pardons abundantly, meaning he'll do so over and over again, as long as we're sincere in our in our desire to improve and to seek forgiveness from God. So that is the, the, the closing sort of, of the, the first three blessings of the requests of the, I guess, 13 middle blessings. There's 13 requests. The first three have to do with our spiritual welfare, our knowledge, which again, that's not only spiritual, but, but definitely has a major impact on, on our direction and and our choices, our, um, we talk about re re repentance and returning to God. And then this blessing is sort of the step after that. Once we're committed to return to God, now we also want God to forgive us for past, for past misdeeds. Okay. <clears throat> so <clears throat> today what I want to talk about before we go on to the, the last, the next blessing at the end of the class, I want to talk about a question that has been asked to me from at least one or two members of this class. And, uh, and I think it's something that we all kind of struggle with a little bit is the idea of repeating the same prayers every single day. Um, you know, how can we say that the same prayers every single day? First of all, you know, don't they get a little bit stale? Second of all, who says that they're always relevant? Like, what's this idea of having set prayers that, uh, that, that we're supposed to use? And uh, why don't we just freelance? So, so first of all, the truth is that we have absolutely the right to freelance. A person can pray, you know, and should, should pray whenever there's inspiration or, when, or really whenever there's, there's something troubling us 
or you know, especially something that's a, a great, uh, great, diff great, greatly difficult situation. There, there may, there may even be a biblical obligation to pray. Um, we mentioned in the first class that Maimonides, Rambam holds that there's a, a mitzvah, a commandment to pray at least once every day. Ramban, Nachmanides holds that according to the Torah, there's no obligation to pray every day. The Torah obligation is to pray in a time of trouble. The prayers that, that, that were enacted, it's a rabbinic obligation, but, but the Torah obligation, the biblical obligation is only when we're faced with the trouble. But what that means is when we're faced with the, with, with, with the great difficulty, according to this opinion, there is actually now a Torah obligation to stop and to pray. So we certainly should feel free and, uh, and not just feel free, but, but we should freelance, you know, pray when, when, when we feel that need or that inspiration. And that we can, we can talk to God, we can use whatever words that we want. But we've also mentioned that the, the Shmona Esrei, those 18 or later one was added, so 19 blessings, well, I should really comment about the 18. The 18, the first 18, well, when we learn about the 19th, we'll learn about that later. But the original 18 were composed by the men of the great assembly, great sages, including prophets that lived during the transition period of the first temple to the second temple. And they composed these prayers. And there's tremendous, tremendous power within the words of the Shmona Asrei. They're, they're, the words themselves have, have tremendous, tremendous power. Um, but they're also words that we can use every day. It's not just in, that they have tremendous power. These, these were chosen by these great sages because they can be used every day. And the more that we understand them, the more I think we can relate to them and say, okay, you know, this really is, this really is very, very meaningful and very useful. Rav Shlomo Volbi, explained it with a analogy uh, to or a metaphor to a person traveling on a train through the Alps. You know, you're going through the Alps and you like, you see this, just this gorgeous, gorgeous mountain and you continue on. And then you see it again, but from a slightly different angle, it looks like a totally different mountain, but it's the same. It's just, you're on a, you know, you know you're, on a, you're in a different spot on the track. It's a different angle. And then you continue on a little further and you're seeing another side of it. And, and again, it's like, it's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's just, but it, it looks totally different. And he said that, that in our journey through life, you know, the, the blessings of the Shemona Esrei are like the, the, the mountains in the Alps. That if, if, we're, if we're taking a moment to consider where we are, you know, the perspective, our new perspective, our perspective today isn't the same as it was yesterday. There's always things changing. There's always things changing in our lives. And, and each day we can come with a new perspective on the blessings of, of the Shemona Asrei. And, and the, again, though, the more that we understand them, I think the more that that is the case, the more we can find you know, treasures within these blessings. But a related question, is maybe from God's perspective that, okay, you know, maybe we can find meaning in them every day. And maybe it's the same meaning. Maybe there's something that we really desire and we pray for it fervently every day. And it's very meaningful to us. But 
perhaps at some point it gets a little bit tiresome for God, you know, maybe at some point God says, you know, I heard you twice already today, you know, three times yesterday, three times the day before, you know, for the last 25 years, like, can you just give me a break already? So isn't, you know, imagine you come to, to, to a, to a real uh, physical, you know, a physical, physical, physical human being, a king, and every day you ask him over and over again for the same thing. Like he's going to get annoyed with you and, and, and throw you out. So, so it seems somewhat inappropriate to be asking God for the same things over and over and over again. So the, the Mabit Ramosha of Trani, who we quoted in the first class, who was the one who really um, expresses the purpose of prayer the way that we've been expressing it, that the purpose of prayer is not just to have a request answered, but to clarify for ourselves who it is that can answer our prayers. So it's totally sensible to keep asking God every day, because every time that we ask God for whatever it is that we're asking, we are reaffirming and expressing that God is the one who can answer our prayers. And that's avoda, that's service of God. It's not just asking, it's not just nagging. We're actually serving God as we grow in our recognition of his omnipotence, of his ability to grant our, you know, grant our, our requests. And that's exactly what God wants from us. God wants us to recognize him and, and his power in this world. And so it's very much accomplishing um, a purpose and is not frowned upon at all. Um, so, so I've mentioned before that the, there is a teaching in the sages that there are actually 10 different types of prayer. According to some, there's 13, according to some midrashim, but there's a midrash that says that there are 10 different types of prayer. And we, we've touched briefly on, on a couple of them. We touched briefly on Rina, which is a prayer that comes from, from joy. Today, I want to talk about a type of prayer that relates to this idea of praying the same thing over every day. And that is what the Midrash refers to as pigia, pigia. It comes from a verse in, uh, in Yermia, in Jeremiah, which I put on as the first source. It's that, that, uh, that God says to the prophet Yermia, to Jeremiah, he says, and you pray not on behalf of this people, neither lift up crying or prayer. God says, stop praying to me and entreat me not, for I will not hear you. So I didn't look at the context over there, exactly why God is saying, you know, stop praying. Apparently, if he would keep praying, God would maybe have to change his mind. Have to, whatever that means. But, but, but God says, entreat me not. And in Hebrew, the word that they translate here as entreat is al-tifki'ibi which is like, don't touch me, you know, basically like, leave me alone. But, uh, but what we see, says the Midrash, is there's a type of prayer that's the opposite of that. Don't tifki, God says, don't do pigia, don't entreat me. But there's a type of prayer which is entreating. And what we mean by that, I don't know if that even means what we're trying to say, but the way that Rav Pincus, who has a safer. He has a book that goes through all the different types of, of these 10 different types of prayer. So the way that he defines this type of prayer 
is um, many requests, you know, um, persistent requests until one attains what they are asking for. And, uh, and he says, we find elsewhere the same Hebrew word, Altifki, in the beginning of the book of Ruth. And there it's explained this way that, uh, that it means to, to ask and ask and ask and to, to keep asking for something. Almost like you're saying, you know, God, I'm not letting you rest until you grant me this. Now, he's not talking about this type of prayer in Shmonga Esrei. But I think what we do on a daily basis is almost like an extension of this. It's, it's a type of this because we are repeating the same prayers over and over again. But he's talking about in general, you know, there's something that we really need. There's something that we really desire. So we pray for it and we pray for it and we ask and we ask and we can spend, you know, hours and days and months asking for it. And uh, until we achieve what we're looking for. And that is called Pegia. And uh, this is actually what Moshe, Moses, engaged in to try to get God to change his mind to let him into the land of Israel. In this week's Torah portion, actually, Moshe is going to make a big mistake, many different commentaries as to what it was. He hit the rock instead of speaking to it. He got angry. Whatever it was, God says, you're not entering the land of Israel. And we find later in Devarim, in Deuteronomy, in Parshas, Va'eschanan, that uh, the Midrash teaches us the word va'eschanan means like, I prayed, I, I prayed to God. It's a type of prayer, another one of the 10. And, uh, and the Midrash says that he prayed the, the, the gematria, the numerical value of va'eschanan. He, he prayed 515 prayers to try to convince God to let him go into Israel. And God says, stop praying. The Midrash says, if he would have prayed one more time, God would have felt compelled to let him in, but God didn't want to do that. So God says, you're not allowed to, to pray anymore. But Moshe engages in this type of, of prayer of pegiah, of over and over and over until, you know, you get God to change his mind. And there's another place that Moshe engages in that form of prayer. And that is after the golden calf. When God wants to destroy the Jewish people. So if you look at source number two, this is the Talmud's interpretation. God told Moses, now leave me be. In the, in the Hebrew, it's hanichali, you know, like literally like leave me alone. That my wrath will be enraged against them and I will consume them. God says, I want to destroy them for, for worshiping the golden calf. And I will make of you a great nation. God says, Moshe, I'm going to turn you and your descendants into a great nation. I'm starting over. And Moshe keeps praying, right? And he does get God to, to forgive the Jewish people. But the Talmud says, Rabbi Abo said, were the verse not written in this manner, it would be impossible to utter it in deference to God. God says, leave me be, leave me alone. So the Talmud says, you know what this is like? It teaches that Moses, Moshe grabbed the Holy One, blessed be he, not literally, but figuratively. It's like he grabbed him as a person who grabs his friend by his garment. And he said before him, master of the universe, I will not leave you be until you forgive and pardon them. If God's saying, leave me be, that means Moshe is not leaving him be. Moshe is, is, so to speak, like grabbing him and saying, I'm not letting go until you say, I forgive them. Now, we can't, you know, we're not Moshe. We're not going to talk to God, you know, like that. We don't, you know, you have to be on a certain level to, to be able to do that. As, as we'll see in a moment. Um, but 
but we see this idea, this, 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 this manner of prayer, a fervent, persistent prayer. And, uh, and it's, a, uh, it's, it's an effective form of prayer. The, 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 the way of understanding again is if we think of ourselves as God's children, we are called the children of God. The Torah says, you're children of God. So if we think of ourselves that way, God is our father. And if a child, you know, nags, again, nagging is a, has a negative connotation, so we shouldn't nag. But if a child is persistent in asking for something enough, then eventually they'll get smacked. No, I mean, eventually they will, uh, eventually the, the, the parent will, will, will give in. Um, this is one of the methods that Abraham, Abraham employs when he prays for God not to destroy the city of Sodom. Again, there it didn't work. We're not saying it always works, but, uh, but, but again, there God said, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not happening this time, but, but we actually mentioned in the past about Sodom, an idea that, that God was saving that prayer, those prayers of Abraham for his own descendants. So like we've said in the past, you know, no prayer is wasted. If a person, if Moshe prayed 515 prayers, it wasn't wasted. In fact, the commentaries say that's why he was allowed to at least see the land of Israel. He couldn't go in, but he was allowed to see. He got some of what he had prayed for. And, uh, and Avraham also, he prayed for Sodom. It wasn't effective for Sodom, but it was effective for his own descendants. But over there, it says that God approached, that, that Avraham approached God in prayer. So Rashi comments, it's number three on the sources, and Abraham approached and said, so says Rashi, we find the expression approaching for three things in the Torah. We find it with regards to war. They approached for war in, in, in Samuel in the book of Shmuel Beis. And it says, and Yoav drew forward, he approached. And we find approaching for placating when, when Judah, when Yehuda approaches Joseph when he's king of Egypt to release his brother, Binyamin. Um, so it says he approached Vayigash Elab, the beginning of Vayigash. And we find it in the context of prayer by Elijah, Eliyahu Hanavi. It says that he approached for prayer. So, so there's three types of approaching. There's approaching for war. There's approaching for prayer, for, um, for like placating, and there's approaching for prayer. And, the, the, and Rashi comments that Avraham engaged in all three. He approached for war by speaking harshly. Again, we're not to speak harshly, but, but on his level, he could um, when he requested justice to placate and to pray. Okay, but, but the idea that Rapinkas brings out from this is that there are, when you approach for war, you know, you go to war, there's different, uh, different parts to that. There's different strategies. So he says that one of the, one of the, 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 the strategies of war is that you, you choose a target or, I mean, in general, if somebody is engaging in a battle, they're attacking, they have a target, they have something in mind and they put, they, they direct all their strength towards that target. He says, that's what pegia is. That's what this form of prayer is. Where we have a target, there's something that I really need. And it, it, should be, it, should, it shouldn't be multiple things. It should be one thing. And we, and we, we so, so to speak, attack. We go to war on that thing. We put all our strength 
into praying for that thing. So, so a person, uh, again, you know, a, a, you know, a common example is, is for someone who's sick. So we, we devote all our, all the strength of our prayers towards that, you know, towards for, for, for healing a, a sick person. And this is something that, you know, we've done for, for generations, throwing ourselves uh, into, into prayer um, on behalf of another, on behalf of ourselves, in order to, to bring about salvation. And, uh, and uh, again, it doesn't mean in, in the Shemar Esri, of course, there's many things, different things that we pray for. But, but if but when engaging in, in Pegia, in this form of prayer, outside of the context of Shemar Esri, when we're saying Tehillim for something, we're saying Psalms, or we, we, have, we have something that we need, that we want, and we we put all of our all of our strength into achieving that and hope for a good result. I want to share with you a story that just happened very recently about a woman whose name is Esther Nava Aharoni, and she is an American who was not born to Jewish parents. She converted. Um, she was born in the late 70s, so she's now in her very early 40s. Um, her father was an atheist, atheist, her mother was a Catholic, they were, neither of them were Jewish. Um, and after 9-11, she was inspired, she was, I guess, shaking up and inspired. She began listening to Psalms, to Tehillim on CDs. She began reading the Old Testament, the Torah, the Tanakh, and, uh, and she eventually decided that she was Jewish at heart. You know, she wasn't yet converted, but she was, she was Jewish at heart. And one day she met some religious Jews who told her that they, when she told them that she was also Jewish at heart, they told her, well, you know, there's, there's a process for becoming Jewish, not just at heart, you know, the, there's a process of, of conversion. And, uh, and she decided that she, wanted to pursue that. Her parents were very supportive of her all along. And, uh, and she, she became a, you know, throughout this process, her journey towards conversion, she became actually a, a devoted student of Rabbi Lazar Brody, who is actually from this area. He lives in Israel, but he's from, he's from Camp Mill in Silver Spring. And, uh, and he, uh, he has many books on Emuna, on building up our, our faith, very popular books. Um, and, um, and he's a popular teacher. And so after, after a number of years, you know, it can, it can be a process and uh, she finally converted. And shortly after she converted, she got married um, and she really hoped to, to begin building a family. This was in her early thirties, but it wasn't to be. The doctors soon, you know, took, she, she wasn't becoming pregnant. The doctors told her she, was not going to be able to have a baby, at least through natural, you know, on her own, um, and that uh, at this point I think she was 35. And they said basically, you know, we have five years to try out various fertility treatments, and if it doesn't work by the time you're 40, then you're not going to you're not going to be able to have a child. And uh, and that began the process of. Of fertility treatments and you know many dashed hopes, pregnancy losses, and uh, I think at this point she was living in the United States at the beginning, and then she 
it, it wasn't clear from the story I was reading what happened, but she was forced to move to Israel. And, um, and when she got to Israel, she couldn't really work because of the language barrier. She was a, um, she was a, um, she was a counselor for, for drugs and, and alcohol use to recovery. And in, in Israel, at least when she first moved, she just didn't have the Hebrew to be able to do that. So she had a lot of free time. And, uh, and she, she realized she was living in Northern Israel. She realized she lived very close to the burial place of Yeshaya Hanavi of Isaiah. And, uh, and she loved the book of Isaiah. You know, she loved that book and, and she felt drawn to the place. And she started going there to pray at the grave of Yeshaya Hanavi of Isaiah the prophet. And uh, she would pray for all that she was going through and for other women and uh, employing the lessons she had learned in Emunah and faith in God. And, uh, and she began taking what she calls prayer treks where she would go to these, to these different, she went not just to that, that grave, but other, the graves of other great, uh, great people. And she would pray there and, but she wouldn't just like go and, you know, pray for 20 minutes and go home or, you know, pray one prayer and go. She would stay there for hours and hours praying and studying Torah and praying all different things. She had, a, you know, a whole different, different Tehillim, Psalms, her own prayers, all sorts of things. And, um, and, but still things didn't, uh, you know, things were still difficult. She actually, the next great challenge was that her marriage fell apart very, you know, suddenly she ended up getting divorced and it was very, very difficult and traumatic, but she, she forged on and she actually started a prayer group, um, a Facebook prayer group where women could submit different things to, to, to that she would pray for them for. And, uh, she calls it the women emuna builders, the faith builders, and they submit names and what they want her to pray for. And she goes and prays for them. And she would get messages from, from these women saying, thank you so much for your group. My prayers were answered. And this was very, very inspiring for her. And uh, meanwhile, though, she had not yet gotten an answer to her prayers, so to speak. Um, but her, her perspective on prayer changed at some point where the in the beginning she was praying for a child you know that's that's what she desperately wanted but she realized that she had to change that because emuna faith in god um doesn't mean as we've spoken about you know that you know we that we know what's best for us it's you know that uh whether hashem whether god says yes or no to the prayer is uh you know, we can do our, our best. We can do our part. God wants to hear our prayers. Um, we, we need to sometimes change ourselves to be able to, for, for a prayer to be answered. But, uh, but she realized that she has to be okay with, with a no, you know, and, and, and to pray with, with Amuna, with faith that whatever, with acceptance, whatever, whatever God decides is what's, what's best for her. Um, it wasn't long before she remarried and, uh, and that was that happened about about a year ago or now i guess i read the story was in a magazine from may so so around last may may 2020 she she remarried and uh and even then she continued um or i guess right i guess uh 
yeah, I, I don't have all the all the exact you know facts here of, but over time she you know it was very difficult, many treatments, many many pregnancy losses, and then uh, finally actually just this past May she must be based on my math at least over must be over forty already. She gave birth to a a, a son, a healthy son, and now she's she takes her baby on her prayer tracks. Her prayer tracks have not ended, but now she takes her baby on. So it's, it's a, it's an amazing story. It's, it's, it's a real person. It's not the, you know, the great, great rabbi. It's someone that, you know, she's, she has a Facebook group. You could go find her. You could look her up. Her name is, is Esther Nava Aroni. Um, and, uh, or I could send you the full article that I read about her. And, but that this is, in my, I think this is Pegia. This is exactly what we're talking. This is persistence, 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 and uh, and uh, you know, almost you know, not say, not taking no for an answer, except that willing to understand that the answer is no. But but I'm not going to stop praying. Whatever you, whatever you know, you decide is what's is what's best. But I'm not going to stop praying. And she didn't just pray every day, but she prayed for hours on end. Now we can't all do that, obviously. But uh, but we can definitely take a lesson from from this woman. But uh, but really, there's a, the, the the other lesson that we take from her is that we have to be careful how we approach. We can't say you know God you know do this because we all don't always know what's what's best for us. We don't always know. So 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 the 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 way that we pray shouldn't be, you know, I need this give this to me. I'm going to pray fervently every single day. We have to, we have to be careful. We have to realize that, uh, we have to realize two things. We have to realize that, that we, we don't always know what's best. God knows what's best for us. So our approach has to be really like hers, her approach, something more general. Um, you know, that, that we want, you know, what's 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 your will, God should should should, should happen for us, um, and uh, and it should be according to, you know, if a person's praying for, let's say, parnasa for 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 financial stability, you know, it should be according to what what you deem is 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 fit for us. Whatever it is that a person's praying for, it should be with that 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 realization that we don't always know what's best. So even though it's fervent and it's persistent. But it should be with that emuna, that faith, that that whatever whatever God dis- determines is 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 what's what's best for us. And secondly, we have to realize who we're speaking to. You know, at the end of the day, we're speaking to the King of Kings, the Master of the Universe. And so we, first of all, for sure, can't become uh, can't can't become demanding and and rude. But also, we can't come too too buggy buggy. You know, it's he's a even though we, we approach him as a father, we approach him, you know, as, as, as we re- with the realization that God, God has great love for us, but we still have to approach him with, uh, with reverence and, and, and respect and honor. And, and we have to keep that in mind, even as we pray fervently for something. The, the one other thing I put on this uh, on the source sheet before we do a little more liturgy to close it out is the story of Choni Hamagel, which is a great story from the Mishnah. And, uh, and he prayed fervently in a way that, that we can't, but it's worthwhile to, to tell the story. Um, 
the, the Mishnah recounts that there was a terrible drought in Israel in the days of, of I guess this is, uh, I think this is shortly after the destruction of the, of, the, of the temple, I believe, although the people in the story, somewhere around the, the, the destruction of the temple, either a little bit before or a little bit after, uh, of the second temple. And, uh, and it, there was no rain. There was no rain. There was a terrible drought. And they went to this great tzaddik, this great righteous person, Choni. Choni um, was uh, someone that, that they, they would turn to in times of trouble. And he was, and, and he told them, okay, you know, bringing anything that you don't want to get wet because it's going to rain. Okay. So, so, uh, so the Mishnah says, what did he do? He went outside and he drew a circle in the ground and he went and he stood in the circle and he said to God, he said, master of the world, your children have looked to me to represent them. Um, and, and that's because they know that I'm a, I, you know, I'm like a resident in your house. They know our close relationship. He said, I swear, I take an oath by your great name. Again, none of this is recommended for us. But he said that I will not leave this circle until you take mercy on your children and you bring them rain. So it started to drizzle. And he said, that's not what I asked for. I asked for much more rain. So it started to rain like cats and dogs, torrential downpour. He said, that's not either what I asked for. I want a nice rain, a nice rain. And, uh, and basically it, it ended up raining properly. And, uh, and what I quote, put on the source sheet number four is that one of the great leaders of the generation, Shimon ben Shetach, he was the, the, the head of the, of the high court of the Sanhedrin. He sent a message to Choni Hamago and he said, were you not Choni, I would have decreed that you be ostracized. But what can I do to you? You nag God and he does your bidding like a son who nags his father and his father does his bidding without reprimand. So someone on the level of Choni Hamago apparently could do that. But what Shimon Ben Shetach is saying to us is that only Choni can do that. You know, if not for the fact that you were the great Choni, then, uh, then I would have ostracized. I would have kicked you out of the community for behaving in such a manner. So, so while we have this idea of praying fervently and persistently, but we are not choni and we cannot draw a circle in the ground and say, God, I'm not, walk I'm not leaving this circle until you answer my prayers. We can be persistent, but we have to do so with great reverence. We're not the, uh, you know, what the, he described himself as a, a resident of, of God's house. A Ben bias. We don't. We're not in that uh, in that uh, in that range. But we see this idea of persistent prayer, and we see that we have to be careful how to how to approach it. Okay, the seventh blessing of the Shemona Esrei. Now that we have decided our path, you know, we've 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 we've. We've decided we're going to return to God. We've prayed for God's assistance in that. We've asked for God's forgiveness. So now we can ask, we can turn to God with the, with the proper merit and, and perspective to ask for help and for, ask for salvation from any of our challenges. And I think this blessing is very underappreciated. Um, this blessing talks about redemption, but it's not talking about Mashiach, the Messiah. It's not talking about the ultimate redemption. There's blessings later for that, the rebuilding of, of Jerusalem, the, 
the, the descendant of David, you know, that's talking about the final redemption. This is daily redemptions. This is redemptions from daily challenges, daily struggles. And, uh, and if we appreciate that, there's a lot that we can think about and pack in to this, to this blessing. So the words are look upon our affliction. Now, what does that mean? We say God to look, you know, see our affliction. God doesn't see it. We have to, we have to, you know, ask him to see it. So, but, but when we say that God sees, we have this language in Egypt as well. It says that God saw their, saw their difficulties, saw their, their affliction. And, uh, and it means that God sort of focused his hashkacha, his attention on that and, and dealt with that in a more direct way rather than a more general dealing of the world, but deals, dealt with it directly. And that's what we're asking that God look upon our affliction, look upon our challenges, our difficulties, and, uh, and deal with them directly on our behalf. And uh, the word here, affliction, anienu, is related to the word aniut, our, which is like poverty. It means, but it doesn't mean only lacking of money. It's, it's lacking in general. Whatever we're, we're, we're lacking, whether it's, it's, uh, it could be financial, it could, be, it could even be health, although that gets its own blessing. It, it could be uh, you know, um, relationships. It could be just a, a position, whatever, you know, whatever it is that we feel that there's something, there's something missing, there's something lacking. We say to God, you know, see that, see that what we are, that we are lacking and, uh, and redeem us from that. Um, before we mention redemption, we say riva rivenu. Here they translate as defend our cause. I think that's uh, a little bit um, um, tame, I would say. Riva rivenu really is like fight our battle, fight our battles. So those, that could be, you know, we have individuals that, we need to be able to, to, to put up with, to stand up to. We could be as a nation. No, definitely there's, there's battles that, that, that we ask God to fight for us as a nation. So, so see our, 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 whatever we're lacking, fight our battles and get and redeem us quickly. Again, we're not asking, this is not the ultimate redemption. This is redemption from any daily difficulty, any daily suffering. So it's very, very applicable. I mean, it's all applicable, but this is, you know, is very practical and, 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 and we can interact, we can relate to this on a, on a daily basis. And we say that the redemption should be for the sake of your name. I always had a thought about this, that what this is expressing is that we are committing to recognize that if we get that salvation, we'll recognize where it came from. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll pray for a salvation, it will come, and then we will we'll fail to recognize where it came from, that it comes from God. So we're acknowledging, we're saying, God, you know, send the salvation because it will be for your name. We'll recognize you as a result, and we'll, we'll give credit where, where credit is due. And we say, we say, Ki goel chazak ata. Because you are a mighty redeemer. Goel is a redeemer. Chazak is mighty. God is a mighty redeemer. He can override, he can overcome whatever stands in our way. Be it people, be it nature, be it the, you know, sometimes it's just God's justice and, and we, need, we ask for mercy to override justice. 
whatever it is that's standing in, in the way of our redemption from whatever challenge it is that we're experience, experiencing, we say, God, we praise God, you're a mighty redeemer. And therefore, you know, redeem us quickly. And we close the blessing, Baruch Atah Hashem, Goel Yisrael, blessed are you, God, or you are the source of all blessing, the redeemer of Israel, the one who is, it is in present tense, constantly bringing about redemptions for people in their, in their personal struggles on a daily basis. So to just quickly sum up what we, what we did, we said, we talked about the, the sixth blessing where we, we ask God for, for parting. And the highest level that we ask for is that he erase the sins completely like a, like a father to a child. You know, look, look at anything we did intentionally as unintentionally, that's the highest level. Um, and then we, we talked about the idea of the, the power of the daily prayers and how we, we can, it's like the Alps, you know, we can have a different perspective as we journey through life and we look at them. There's so much meaning in them. There's so much to find. We have to be, we have to think, we have to think about what they mean, but also about what we're going through and what we want to pray for. If you don't even think about what you want to pray for, then, then you're not going to have anything to pray for, but there's so much to pray for. We sometimes have to just think about it. Um, and we said that which we ask for the same thing over and over again, it's not rude, it's not nagging, it's an acknowledgement of our recognition that we're speaking, it's, it's really service of God. We're coming to a recognition that God is the one who can provide, God is the one who holds the key and the answers to whatever it is that we desire or that we, that we need. And, uh, and, and we talked about this idea of pegia, that there's, a, there's an approach of prayer which is persistence, over and over again, praying for the same thing, Avraham did it, Moshe did it, and, uh, and we learned about, we talked about Esther Nava Aharoni, who did it too, and, uh, and after many, many prayer treks, she, against all odds, was blessed with a, with a child, and uh, it's, it's, it's something that we, we can do too. We have to be careful how we do it. We shouldn't be demanding. We, we, we should realize we have to come with Amuna that whatever God determines is is, uh, is what's best for us. And again, that also helps us avoid frustration when we recognize that. Otherwise people just give up, but we shouldn't give up. Every prayer is, has a purpose. And, uh, and, and finally, we talked about this, the seventh blessing, which really has tremendous uh, meaning and, 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 and is very applicable, which is the redemption from, from daily struggles. All right, we'll stop there.